0: I do, yeah, uh, there she is, my wife. It is her birthday today, and I am so grateful for her in my life and in our family's life. And uh, uh, just, it, she's a gift to us. She's also a gift to this, this body of believers, and so I'm very, very grateful. Happy birthday, sweetheart. And uh, I'm very grateful to walk this journey more closely with her than with anyone else. And I'm going to stop there, or I'm going to start bawling, and I'm very, very grateful. Happy Father's Day again. And also, uh, heard some really good reports. I'll hear some more in this coming week. This last week, middle school camp, and a lot of you were involved either as guides or helpers or um, uh, campers. And just some great things that came out of that. Two more weeks of camp kids' camp starting tomorrow, high school camp the following Monday. And so I thank God for what He's doing. In um, in people's lives, and so this morning I'm I'm going to share a message, and it, it it isn't it isn't what you would call a typical Father's Day message. It's it's really not. There's going to be some things here that I'm going to share today that relate to fathers, um, and not only today but in coming weeks that will very clearly identify with fathers. But just be warned this is not this is not directed to fathers. I. I Felt very clearly directed to bring something else this morning. I want to talk about one particular person's story. Um, it's an amazing story. It's an amazing story from the Bible, of course. I'm not going to preach from anything else or anywhere else. It must be from God's word. For it is alone, it alone is powerful, and it is it is, it, 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 it changes our lives, it changes our hearts, it changes our directions. And so in a few moments you're gonna turn in your Bibles and we'll be talking about this man's story. It, it it is the record of one person who, in some of the most difficult circumstances, trusted God, saw his dreams fulfilled and grew through everything he encountered. And you'll see this in coming weeks. He, he, he trusted God, he saw his dreams fulfilled, and he grew through everything he encountered. This person that we're going to look at experienced dysfunctional family. He, he experienced rejection and poverty and slander. He also experienced incarceration Isolation, long periods when nothing seemed to be happening. He also saw tests in his life, tests of how he would handle things like power and influence and even wealth. Now, let, let me run through that list again because I want you to understand that, that this, this Bible, this book, this incomparable book for it, is, it alone is the Word of God, it speaks to people who are going through things that people in this book went through. You may be encountering some of these same things. Again, you may be experiencing some degree of family dysfunction or you have in the past. Maybe you're experiencing rejection or you're, you're facing some sudden and extreme poverty or lack of financial resources. Maybe someone has recently slandered you or maybe you or a loved one is facing incarceration. Maybe you know what it is to be isolated or to be in a place where nothing seems to be happening. Maybe you, too, have been tested with things like power. You suddenly have more power or influence than you've ever had before. Maybe on the opposite end of the spectrum of poverty, you've suddenly received one way or another, or maybe not suddenly, maybe over the course of a lifetime, you now are faced with a test of of wealth. Maybe one of these things or a number of these things relate to where you are right now. Now, some of you... Some of you may be well ahead of me. The man's name is Joseph. Joseph. And beginning today and for the next several weeks, we're going to see some events from his life that may relate to your life. And that's what I love about the Word of God because it's not just a story of a long time ago, true, maybe not, so forth. No, this is true. This is all true. It really happened But there are things that we can relate to, even though the time between now and then is very, very far apart. Joseph's epic story begins in the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 37. So if you would turn there, please. But to better appreciate uh, the uh, story of Joseph, you must know a few things about the history of Joseph. I I mentioned just a moment ago that he lived a very long time ago. Let me tell you how long. He lived about 4,000 years ago. Now that's a long way. He lived about 1900 B.C., which is almost as long before Christ as we have lived since Christ. And while that may put you off thinking, man, how can I relate to somebody 4,000 years ago? Well, listen, human nature has changed really not a bit since then. And you're going to see some things in his story that relate to your story. He lived Almost 4,000 years ago, he was descended from a man named Abraham. He was actually the great-grandson of Abraham. Abraham, you might know, was the founder or the first person in the Jewish people. He was a great man of faith that God called, that God commissioned, that God equipped, that God worked miracles in his life. And one of those miracles was his descendants, and Joseph was descended from Abraham. Abraham. Now something else about Joseph, his father, his father was a man named Jacob. Um, Later God changed his name to Israel, so as we read this morning and in subsequent weeks you may sometimes see the, the name Jacob or Israel, it's the same person. Before there was a nation called Israel, there was a person called Israel. And the interesting thing about Jacob or Israel is that we know that he had 13 children by four different women. How many here would say 13 kids is a lot of kids? It's interesting. My mom came from a family of 13. I have more cousins than I I have cousins I probably met and didn't know that they were my cousins. Big family, 13 kids but by four different women. Now, they didn't, they didn't celebrate Mother's Day or Father's Day like we do now. I don't know that they celebrated it at all. But if they would have celebrated it, Father's Day would have been very simple. They all had the same father, but Mother's Day got a little bit dicey at times. So who are you with? Oh, yeah, that, that one. Thirteen children, four different mothers. It was a complicated family structure, to say the least. Genesis chapter 37, verse 2 reads this way. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought their father a bad report about them. I read this verse because it tells us a couple of important things. First of all, Joseph is 17 when this story begins. He's 17 when this, his story really begins. Now that's relatively young. Seventeen, many of you can relate to seventeen, some of you aren 't there yet, but most of us most of us can remember age seventeen if you If you think about you know your maturity level at seventeen, probably again, even though it 's been four thousand years, probably a lot of similarities between seventeen year olds now and seventeen year olds then but that number seventeen is very significant because we 'll come back to this in, in, in coming weeks uh, because that that time element is very important. His story begins at age seventeen he 's very very young. Secondly, the, the second thing we learn from this verse here behind me is that Joseph did some stupid things. He did some stupid things. Now, we don't know what Joseph said about his brothers. That is not recorded. But he goes off to where um, you know, his brothers are, and it says he comes back, he brought their father a bad report about them. What he said, we don't know what they said, but what he said did not help family relations at all. You know, I have, I have only one brother. There's just two of us in our family. But he, it doesn't take 13 siblings or 12 siblings to understand that you don't tattle on a sibling. How many know what I'm talking about? That's not going to help things. Some of you have some stories you can tell me later about the time that you tattled on a brother or a sister and how it came back on you we know that that's not very smart well he's 17 years old and we don't know exactly what he said or the circumstances around it but it's an interesting part of this 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 family dynamic verse 3 reads this way now israel or jacob loved joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made a richly ornamented robe for him when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. And I, I mentioned earlier about family dysfunction. And the interesting thing about, about favoritism is a, in a family is it's almost never good. You start showing favoritism towards a, one member of the family over another, and I can't really think of a time when that is necessarily a healthy thing. It's often very divisive. It can can separate a family. It can create a great deal of dissension within a family. And it makes it very, very clear here that Joseph, of all of the 13 children, 12 sons, one daughter, Joseph was the favorite. That that robe that, that... Jacob made or had made and he gave it to him that robe was would have been a constant maybe even flaunted we don't know but maybe he you know he wore it a lot (laughs) or maybe he would wear it to certain functions or maybe he would only wear it around his brothers we don't know about that but it was it was it was a regular if not constant reminder of favoritism when it when his brothers saw him or saw it on him, it annoyed them. When, when they saw it, it, it probably with time embittered them. Well, there he is wearing the coat again. There he is, the favorite. There he is, dad's little boy. Can, can you hear it? Can you hear it? Maybe you can feel it almost because of perhaps some things from your life. And, and, and they looked at that and, and, oh, it was just, it was, it was a constant irritant. It says here that they hated him and they couldn't say a kind word to him. So if you can just imagine this, hate is a pretty strong word. They felt so strongly against him that it wasn't just annoyance, it had turned to hatred. When, they, when he walked up, they would feel these feelings within them and, and there wasn't a kind word that they would say to him. You talk about a family dynamic that was tense. I mean, every time they gathered together, He was the the father's favorite, but he was his sibling's least favorite. Now, here's the thing. Up to this point, Joseph's story is largely unremarkable. It it really is. I mean, he's a young man. That's not unusual. It's it's a complicated family structure. That's not unusual. He's resented by his siblings. Sadly, that's also not terribly uncommon. And while all of those things, well, not the youth part, but, but while all of those things are said, it's not so different from a lot of other families then and now. There were other families who went through some of these same kinds of things back then. They, they, had, uh, they had large families generally. And, and so I'm sure that many of the elements that were present up to this point were present in other families then and even still today. But Joseph's story, this is very important because there's a transition here, Joseph's story changed with four simple words. They're the first four words of Genesis 37 verse 5 that read this way, Joseph had a dream. You see that there right at the beginning of verse 5? Four words, Joseph had a dream. Dreams are an essential part of Joseph's story. You really can't talk about Joseph with also, without also talking about Joseph's dreams. Were it not for his dreams, Joseph would have been at, at, at best merely a footnote in the Bible, just one of the sons of Jacob. At best, he would have just been another name in a long list of things. But what set him apart is that God gave him dreams, dreams. They were God-given dreams. God gave Joseph, of all of them, a dream. Now, if you're taking notes this morning, this is a very important point, and that is quite simply this. God still gives dreams. God still gives dreams. Now, here's, here's the thing that, about Joseph is that you have to understand, at that time, this is long before Jesus, This is long before what Jesus accomplished on the cross and through the empty grave. This is long before God sent his Holy Spirit. And there are a number of occasions where God would, would supernaturally give dreams to people in the Old Testament. But it was relatively rare. But so were a lot of things in the Old Testament. There's only just a handful of times where it says the Spirit of God would move upon people in the Old Testament. It happened, but it was very infrequent. It was far the exception and not the rule with the ministry the life the death the resurrection of Jesus Christ with the sending of his Holy Spirit everything changed and then in the New Testament you suddenly see this massive direction where many people not just a few here and there but many people having dreams and we're still in that place today God still gives dreams to people to his followers. Now, let me explain. By dreams, I do not mean something that you want to do very strongly. The word dream is thrown around rather loosely. We say, well, I have a dream to, you know, go on a trip. And that's fine. You want to go on a trip? But that's not necessarily a God-given dream. It may be something that you long to do. It may be some gift that you have and you say, well, I, I have a dream to use this. Well, That's not necessarily a bad thing either, but God-given dreams are something entirely different. By a God-given dream, I mean that there are times when God speaks to people with whom he is in relationship People who have submitted their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he puts a dream into their heart to do something, to be something, to go somewhere, to become something, to accomplish something that only came from God. And that's not an infrequent thing. It's actually a very, can I use the word, common thing among believers, See, here's the thing, the Lord has given some dreams to so many of you. In fact, I'm going to go so far to say this, that he desires to give dreams, plural, more than just one, to every person who has submitted their life to him. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've experienced new life with him, then I believe God wants to give you some dreams that are beyond what you want, that are beyond what you desire to do. God wants to give you some dreams that will change not only you, but also the world around you. God still gives dreams. Preparation for this morning, I went back in my life, and and I can count very clearly there have been six times where I absolutely know there have been more That are of maybe less significance or that that did not stand out, but six times in my life where I was doing something and God very clearly gave me the dream of something that was going to happen in the future as I walked with Him. Very, very clearly. We don't know if Joseph got these dreams at night. It's implied that he, it happened during a, a nighttime dream, but I know that dreams can come to us at any moment. Again, you look into the New Testament and you will find occasions there where God spoke into somebody's life and said, I want you to do this, and the rest of their lives they devote to doing that very thing. That's a God-given dream. Six times in my life, and I'm not going to tell you what they are because I don't want to say this is what I did with the expectation that you have to experience the same thing, but six different times in my life I can look back, only one of them happened in a time of prayer. A couple of them happened while I'm just going about my regular day, daily schedule. One time happened while I was out for a long run. A couple of times happened when, when God used, on two different occasions, someone to speak something into my life and the very moment they said it I know that God took that statement that Holy Spirit timed and Holy Spirit directed statement to speak something into my life and I knew from that moment that was a dream that God gave me and just just a very very small glimpse just a very small glimpse I didn't see it all but I saw something and really here's the thing I got thinking about this Uh, pretty much every moment of my waking hours now are lived fulfilling that dream that God gave me. See, that's the thing about God-given dreams is that they're not just something that we want to do and then after a while that want goes away. You know, I've had some dreams, just my personal dreams of things that I wanted to do 20, 30 years ago. I wanted to do them and now it's not a dream at all. It, it, it didn't. It wasn't sustainable. It wasn't something that was really of God. It was. It was of me. It wasn't necessarily something bad. But there have been some dreams that God has given me, and some things that God has given you that you have devoted your entire life to to fulfill that dream. See, God given dreams will do that. So God gave dreams to Joseph, and God gives dreams to people today. We may call it a calling or a purpose, or God-directed plans, but God gives dreams into people's hearts today. Look at verse 5 again in its totality. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, (laughs) they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream that I had, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Verse 8, his brothers said to him, do you intend to... Now you understand the, the, the dynamic now. Remember, they don't like him. He's tattled on them. They don't like him because he's favorite. Now he comes to him and he tells them this dream. Verse 8, his brothers said, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and because of what he had said. And then he had another dream. He told this to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. Now, before we read on, there's something else that I want to point out about God-given dreams. And that is this. They often lack details, God-given dreams often lack details. Would you notice this here? This, this, this dream, or these two dreams that, that God gave Joseph, they, they included no context. He, just, he saw these symbols of, of celestial bodies and, and sheaves of wheat bowing down to him. He didn't know all that it meant. He didn't know the context. He just knew that God had given him this dream, and he shares it with his family. He didn't understand the context, he didn't know the time frame. God did not include in the dream when it was going to happen, how long it was going to take to happen, which was actually a very good thing. It, it, it did not, the dream did not include any directions as to how it would happen or what would, how difficult it would be leading up to the fulfillment of the dream. There are dreams that God will give you, and it's just going to be a glimpse And you'll know that it's of God because the Spirit of God within you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God within you will so capture that that you'll know or you have known because it's happened to so many of you, you will know that in that moment, this is what I must do. This is something that I will commit, if necessary, the rest of my life to do. God-given dreams are that way. But here's the thing, it's just going to be a glimpse You're not going to see the whole picture. You're just going to see a glimmer, just a small vision of what you can be or what you will be or how he will use you or the influence that you will have. You'll just get a glimpse of that. But he will not give you all of the answers. He will not tell you how long it's going to take, how challenging it's going to be. He will not tell you, perhaps in that moment, the resistance that will come against you in fulfilling that dream. God-given dreams often lack details. Now there's more to it. Back to Joseph's story here. Back to Joseph's story. Verse 10 reads this way. When Joseph told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream that you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. You'll notice here that in verse three times in verses six, nine, and ten, it says Joseph told people his dreams. He told people. He had the dream within probably a very a relatively short period of time. He tells the dream to other people. And this is another important part of this story. And it's an important part of your story. And I want you to get this truth as well. Here it is. God-given dreams must be held for the right time, shared with the right people, and said with the right motives. There are some of you that God has given powerful, God-given dreams. But you're not supposed to tell anyone. There are some of you that God may have spoken some things into your life months or even years ago. And you've not told anyone. Now there may come a time, in fact there probably will come a time when you share that dream with someone, but please be very careful with whom you share that dream. Do you know that there are some people that can't handle your dream yet? There are some people that if you told them your dream right now, it would, it would, it would cause resentment that you'd be fighting for the, for the coming months and maybe even coming years. God gives dreams to people. He doesn't always give details to the dream. And just because he tells you doesn't mean you're supposed to tell someone else. Someone else. God-given dreams must be held for the right time. And the Holy Spirit can help us with that. Shared with the right people and said with right motives. Um, you know, there, there are times when God puts something on our hearts and sometimes the flesh gets, in, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but sometimes the flesh gets in the way and we take what God has told us and to, to really inflate ourselves or to heighten ourselves or to draw attention to ourselves we tell other people what god told us and our motives are not very good our motives are not to give him the glory but to draw a little bit of the glory to ourselves i don't know if that's ever happened to you but it's happened to me god tells me to do something and i start telling it just hold on to it god has a purpose god has a plan but he also has a timing so time passed, back to Joseph. Time passed and Joseph went to where his brothers were working. Verse 17 reads this way, so Joseph went after his brothers and he found them near this community called Dothan. When they saw him in the distance and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer. <laughs> that's, what they, that's really the title of this series, the, the dreamer. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now let us kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we will see what comes of his dreams. They see him coming and they said, there comes the dreamer. Here's what we're going to do. That hatred that we spoke of earlier, that jealousy that it speaks of here, the resentment that certainly was there, the embitterment that went back, maybe even before the time that he tattled on him, was boiling over to a point. Hey, listen. Let me just say something here. Some of you are, are dealing with some kind of an offense over someone else, and it's not getting any better with time. It's getting worse with time. It's festering. It's becoming embitterment, and it's going to come out. And you're gonna you and you'll even go to the point of killing someone or 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 killing their or killing their reputation with your words, and I'll tell you what, you need to let it go. Never underestimate the wretched and destructive power of hatred or jealousy, an embittered spirit, even to the point, okay, it was their half-brother. I don't know if that was a part of the dynamic and they were more willing to do that. I know that there was a lot of family dysfunction. But here comes this guy and these, these brothers conspire together. Most of them, as we'll find out later, most of them conspire together and say, here he comes, let's kill him, throw his body into a, into a, a, a well, a, a cistern, a holding tank. Let's throw his body in there. Tell dad that ferocious animals killed him. They'll never find his body. We'll cover it over. No one will ever know. Hatred could go to the point of actually conspiring to kill a member of their own family. You talk about dysfunction. Let's kill him. Let's kill him. God gives a dream, he doesn't give details to the dream, he may have messed up a little bit in the timing of the telling of the dream, but God-given dream, given to this man, and one of the first things we read about is somebody wants to kill him. See, if you don't like the dream, kill the dreamer. If you don't know, if you don't like what the dream could mean to you, then kill the dreamer. You're going to see this in coming weeks. There are a lot of powerful truths to the, this truth story of Joseph. This is the last one that I'm going to share with you this morning, and that is this. Someone or something will try to kill your God-given dreams. Get ready. If God has given you a dream to do, something with your job, something with your business, something with the abilities that he has given you, on loan, by the way, someday you'll give them back, If he has put it in your heart to be something that that you never thought that you could be, but he planted that into your heart, he put that into your heart, he's given you some idea, he's given you some plan, he's given you some purpose that is beyond anything that, that your own experience provided for you, God plants something in your heart. Get ready. Somebody will try to kill it or something will try to kill it. It may be something as seemingly benign as discouragement. It may be as something as violent as somebody actually wanting to kill you. Because, see, God-given dreams have a way of upsetting the world around. God-given dreams change things. God-given dreams change people's minds. God given dreams have the ability to change people's hearts. God given dreams have the ability to change the very destinies of men and women. God given dreams are powerful things. When God looks down at a servant, you're his servant. When God looks down at you and and he says, I want to use this servant in a unique way. I want to do something in them and through them that they never thought possible. And I'm going to give them a dream. I'm going to plant something in their heart. I'm going to put it within them to do what's never been done before. It's at that point that you better fasten your seatbelts because shortly thereafter, somebody or something will come with full force and will try to kill that dream. In no way do I wish to compare the power of God with the power of Satan, for there is no comparison. The power of God is absolutely infinite. The power of Satan, finite. The power of God, if it could fill this room, which of course, it's beyond that way, then the power of Satan is on the smallest scale. But Satan is powerful. And when God gives a dream to someone, God puts it in a heart to do something that is beyond your ability, that is beyond your imagination, that is beyond your own desires, then Satan will soon come up afterwards and he will try everything he can to kill the dream, if necessary, by killing the dreamer. Some of you have some God-given dreams and right now you're close to giving up because something else has come and it's slowly strangling or quickly trying to kill one way or the other or some varying degree in between trying to kill that dream. God-given dreams can threaten power structures. God-given dreams can threaten status. God-given dreams can threaten comfort. And suddenly when comfort or status or power structures are, are threatened, suddenly then someone will come and say, how dare you bring that dream here? Perhaps out of jealousy because God has given it to you and he's not given it to them. They may come against you. Perhaps because it's upsetting their very comfortable world, they will try to kill the dream within you. And I want you to get ready. But the God who gives dreams also helps dreamers. That's not going to be on the screen, but you can write that down. The God who gives dreams also helps dreamers. And the God who gave it to you will be the God who sustains you, will be the God who comforts you, will be the God who heals you when the attacks come. One more verse, verse 23. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe that he was wearing. They took him and they threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. And that's where we're going to leave Joseph, at least in this series. He's in this horrible place just moments before everything looked great. He's his father's favorite son. God has given him a dream that his, his brothers are going to bow down to him, but instead of his brothers bowing down before him, his brothers are now looking down to him from a circle of light as he's in the bottom of a pit, bottom of a cistern. The Bible doesn't say what he felt But wouldn't it be interesting to know what was going through his mind at this point? I thought I was going to be the one they bowed down to. They're going to kill me. But the dream was not dead. The dream was not dead. And God had a plan for the dream. This morning... Is my prayer that God gives you dreams. He does that. He doesn't do that just randomly here or there like in the Old Testament. But just as the presence of God on the day of Pentecost came upon hundreds, more people had the Spirit of God come upon them in one moment on the day of Pentecost than all of the Old Testament combined. 120 on the day of Pentecost. And then perhaps even 3000 beyond that as they came to Christ. You will see people in the Old Testament having dreams, but you'll see a lot more in the New Testament, why? Because God desires to give people his his plans and his dreams. Here's what I'm praying. For those who God has planted something in your heart and you're you're going, I don't understand. This is this is beyond me. This is this is a, a calling or this is a a plan that he has given me or this is an idea that he's given me and I know it because I could never come up with this on my own. When he gave it to me, it resonated in my spirit. When they said that thing, I absolutely knew that it was of God because the spirit of God within me said it was so. That's a God-given dream. God gives dreams and God wants to give you dreams. God wants to give you plans to change your world. God still gives dreams. They will lack the details. He will speak some things into your heart and you will do those and then at the right time, in the right way, he will give you more information. And it will open up and it will open up and it will open up and it will be dependent upon that the, the fulfillment of those dreams is going to be very largely dependent upon your faithfulness. And saying, God, I don't have all the answers but I'm going to trust you. I don't understand what you're doing or why you're saying this or why you chose me. I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust you. I don't need to have all of the answers. I don't need to have the explanation. I don't even need to know exactly the why right now. But I'm going to trust you with the dream. And in the right time, in the right way, he'll give you more information. Be careful of who and when and how you share your God-given dreams. Some of you, God has given some, keep your mouth closed and your heart open. Keep your mouth closed and your heart open. God may give you something to, to share with someone. He may give you a confident. He may give you a prayer partner. It may be a close family member who knows your heart, and who's not going to jump to a false conclusion. It may be that person, or He may just say, just hold it. At the right time, with the right motive, you will tell the right person. Here's the thing. It started, this started out so small with Joseph, just a dream, one day or one night, we don't know which. But in time, the most powerful nation in the world would see the dream fulfilled. That's how God-given dreams are. They start very quietly, sometimes remotely, in a heart of a person. But given time, And given trust, it'll change the world. Also know that, again, your dreams pose a threat. Someone will want to kill your dreams. But we have a Savior named Jesus Christ who will protect you as you carry out the dreams. This morning, I want to pray with you. Um, The Lord very clearly put this on my heart to share with you and again for the next couple of weeks we're going to be looking at this and how it relates to us. but I want to pray for dreamers right now. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are in the right position because you're in right relationship with him. And some of you are living the dream. Right now I'm living the dream. The six things that he put on my life I'm, that he called me to do that, that I, I they, they started out so small, I am doing that today, and so are so many of you. You're living the dream. Some of you are thinking there's no more dreams ahead. That He gave me the dream, I'm fulfilling the dream, or I've, uh, the dream has been accomplished. And some of you are saying, You know what? I need a new dream. God, I need you to speak something into my heart. Give me the next direction or the next fulfillment of this dream, a previous dream. But God, I need you. So this morning, I want to pray with you. I'd like you to stand with me, if you would, across this sanctuary. We're going to close in prayer. But this closing prayer, and again, these altars are going to be open. Some of you may need to come down here and spend a little bit more time in in prayer. Uh, I, I, I always want this place to be a place of prayer. So this morning, if you see people coming down and gathering around these altars, even if it's just a few, then please, would you kind of hold some of the the visiting towards the back of the sanctuary? This is a very powerful place. I'm going to pray for you. Let me rephrase that. I want you to pray with me. I want you to pray with me not just listen to my prayer, but agree with me in prayer, that God will give you dreams far beyond what you could ever expect or imagine, that God would give you not the whole picture, but just part of it, or the next step in the fulfillment of the dream. Maybe you need to pray that God will protect you because right now the attacks are coming pretty hard pretty heavy against the dream somebody or something is really trying hard to kill the dream, you need to pray that. So would you pray with me as I pray if you would agree with me and that you would also just just open your heart to the Lord and agree with me in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters who are here today. I thank you for your word Genesis chapter 37 where you took this 17 year old kid in a relatively remote place he had a great genealogy Lord he had a great pedigree but there were a lot of brothers that didn't get dreams but he did I thank you for this story Lord I pray that dreams would happen here that you would give us things to do, things to be, things to accomplish that are beyond anything we've ever done. I pray that you would encourage others in the dream that has already been given, that you would protect them, that you would give them strength. I pray that they would not receive too many details, but only in the right time that you would give them. So I pray, Lord, for dreamers. I pray for dreamers in 2018, people who trust in you, Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, as we close, I ask your blessing upon them. We agree on this together that as we go throughout our world, Lord, as we live the dreams that you've given us, that we'd be used of you. We thank you, Lord, for the presence of your Holy Spirit who calls us, who empowers us, who encourages us, who works through us. This I pray, Lord, for every brother and sister here today. Again, Lord, I ask your special blessing upon fathers. Many of them are going to spend some time with their families and conversations over the phone or in person. I ask that you'd strengthen them, give them all that they require, Lord, in that task, in that wonderful role. May we go in your power and in your presence. We go in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you this morning. God is good. Go in the power and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. These altars are always open.